Well, welcome to week two of It's Complicated, our series that is discussing relationships and our current status, be it single, married, or divorced. Wherever you land on the relationship spectrum, I'm sure that you'll agree with me that relationships are, well, complicated. Pastor Jason did a fantastic job of kicking off our series last Sunday by speaking to uh, people who would classify themselves as single. So if you are single or have recently found yourself single again, you need to know that it's okay to be single. In a world where anything and everything goes as it relates to relationships, in the master's eyes, if you are single, you're Good. The Apostle Paul, who I might add was single himself, wrote, An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, he writes, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. If you would classify your present relationship status as single, there's no shame in your game. God's got you. And because you are single, you can serve him in ways that those of us who are married simply can't because of our family responsibilities. I remember my first pastorate counseling a young man who was so focused on getting married that he forgot that his first responsibility as a Christ was as a Christ follower. Perhaps that's where you are at this morning as well. You're so focused on finding that special someone that you are neglecting your primary responsibility, and that is to be a Christ follower. If so, the word that I shared with him is the same word that I share with you this morning. It's actually a very old word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And God will direct your path. No matter what stage of life we find ourselves in, no matter if we are single, no matter if we're married, or even if we're divorced, our relationship with our Heavenly Father is to be the first and most important relationship that we ever have. So if you're single this morning, you're exactly where God wants you to be. Be sure to devote yourself to Him, and He will, as the psalmist reminded us, give you the desires of your heart. So before we launch into part two of this series, we need to remember some house rules that Pastor Jason established for us last week. First of all, you may disagree or not hear our topics as we work through this series. If that's the case, don't leave steaming mad. Don't leave hurt 
Please come talk to us and we'll do our best to speak with you about with all the love that Jesus has as we work through these complicated waters together. Secondly, you need to know that it's complicated. We have chosen the name of this series because the topics and relationship statuses that we are looking at are complex and there is no perfect answers for where any of us are at. There is, however, a perfect Savior and we are doing our best to follow His teaching. And the third house rule that our pastor established is don't skip out on church anytime, but especially during this series. Just because we're not looking at your specific relationship status doesn't mean that God can't speak to your We share these seats with people who are at different stages of relationships. And when we understand each other and our struggles and our perspectives, we're better able to help and guide and pray for one another. We okay? This is yes. There's no no, just in case you're wondering. We good? Great. So when Pastor Jason asked me to preach today, as my normal custom is, I immediately said yes. And then I looked at his preaching calendar for what he had planned for us this morning. And I realized that he was planning a marriage sermon. Yeah, you guessed it, my heart flip-flopped inside of my, my chest. It did so because, and this may come as a complete surprise to you, but I don't have the perfect marriage. You would not believe the bear that my wife has to live with. That didn't come, yeah, it came out perfectly right. I'm not even sure the perfect marriage exists. Elizabeth and I have been together for 21 years, and we've been married for 18 this coming June. We've had some great times together, but we've also had some, let's say, not so great times together. I don't have this marriage thing all figured out because it's complicated. But I want, to he- I want you to hear what I've got to say next. I'm committed to aggravating my wife until the day I die. <laughs> Which could be very quick because she cooks the meals around the house, right? So she could lace my food with arsenic or Something like that, but I don't, don't, she's not a mass murderer, you understand. I'm just getting off topic. So with that said, I believe that the Bible, which is what we Christians are supposed to abide by, has specific instructions that husbands and wives are to implement as they live together in the bonds of marriage. A couple of weeks ago, I wasn't feeling all that well as another infection was making his presence known, and I had little to no energy And all I wanted to do was sit in my chair and exercise my spiritual gift of watching TV. (laughs) Even though my wife had schoolwork to get caught up on and a hundred other things to do, she decided that she would sit with me and watch TV, which according to her is doing something with her hands. At the same time she was doing this, she had homemade bread cooking in the oven, which I might add is what I imagine heaven is going to smell like. It occurred to me at that moment, and remember, we've been together for almost 18 years, but something in that exact moment clicked in my brain and reminded me that my wife was showing me 
that she loved me by spending time with me. Even though she had other things to do than sit and watch reruns of Law and Order, she was showing me that she loved me by simply spending time with me. In university, one of my professors told me that love is spelled T-I-M-E. Beth was showing me that she loved me by spending time with me. Likewise, I show my wife that I love her by listening to her and her problems. Not fixing them, just listening. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now church, if I can be honest with you this morning, a lot of people have gone bananas over this word submit. I totally understand. In today's culture and climate, the word submission is seen as weakness and is a bad thing. But you need to know that that's not what Paul is talking about here or in other passages where he writes about the very same thing. Paul is speaking of a mutual submission. Wife to husband, husband to wife, and both to Jesus Christ. I suppose another way to say it is that in biblical marriage, there is supposed to be threefold submission. And if the husband is submitted to Jesus, then the wife will have no problem submitting to her husband. And if the wife is submitted to Jesus, then the husband will have no problem submitting to his wife. I think I need to say that again because it's so messed up in today's society. If the wife is submitted to Jesus and the husband is submitted to Jesus, then guess what? Both parties will submit to each other. I know this because I've seen it play out time and time again in my own marriage. When I'm surrendered to Jesus, then I'm loving my wife as I should be. But when I'm selfish and I'm concerned only about what concerns me, then my marriage isn't working as God had intended it to work. This is in part because sin is stupid and sin messes people up. It messes up the communication that I have with God, but it also messes up the communication that I have with my wife. It's as God said to Cain all the way back in the book of Genesis. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But watch out. Uh, Sorry, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. For my marriage to honor God, then I must submit my entire life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For your marriage to honor Jesus Christ, you must submit your entire life over to God as well. 
Last Sunday, Pastor Jason alluded to Ephesians chapter 5 as being the ultimate chapter dealing with husbands and wives and how it's also a model for Jesus and his church. And it's a beautiful scripture passage. But what so often gets lost as we tell each other to read that passage is the verse that comes right before that exchange. In Ephesians 5 verse 21, we read that husbands and wives are to submit Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This, my friends, is the key. Mutual submission. If husbands and wives are mutually submitted to each other, then you will have absolutely no problem with what Paul is writing about in verses 22 to 33. But when one person seeks to exert their authority over the other person, then marriages will begin to crack. And crack, and that crack will lead to another crack. And then your marriage will eventually crumble. So to make your marriage a little bit less complicated, submit to each other as you submit to Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, it will be different for every one of us. But I bet you know that one thing that if you offered to help your spouse with, they will love you to the moon and back. So do that one thing. The second lesson that we glean from the New Testament as it relates to husbands and wives can be found by, first of all, looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Just a couple of passages above what we were just reading. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and harbor your anger toward each other. That's what we do, isn't it? That's not what it says, is it? And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Then put your finger on that passage and jump over a couple of books to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Love this verse as well. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. A few minutes ago, I alluded to my first pastorate. Well, that was in a place just outside of Moncton called Havelock. And my wife and I would often find ourselves in Moncton, Moncton as that was the nearest uh, shopping center. And one day, Beth and I were in Moncton, and we were in the middle of what I'll call a heated discussion. I'm not the only one that's had one of them suckers, eh? What? Come on, people! You're in church! 
While I don't remember exactly what my wife and I were discussing heatedly, I do remember telling my wife to get out of the car. I suppose I should tell you that I was driving the car when I told my wife to get out of the car. I'm super glad that my wife didn't pull a Fast and the Furious and jump out of the moving car because we've moved on to bigger and better arguments, I guess. I don't know. It's important not to miss what Paul is getting at in the two verses that we just read. People are going to get under your skin, especially as you live in close proximity with them. So, forgive early and often. Don't let things fester. Talk about them. In fact, Paul wrote about this too, just a few verses above this. He said, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why? Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you have a disagreement, talk about it. Forgive as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you. My friends, this is super hard, super difficult, and it's complicated. But anything worth value is worth fighting for. And it also helps to remember that Jesus pursued us, and it cost him everything. So we must make sure that we fight hard to forgive early and often. Paul reminded us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and please don't lose sight of what Paul is telling us here. We, sometimes we just glance over these passages, but pretend you're reading them for the first time. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and love keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and love endures through every circumstance. And Paul summarizes by saying that love never fails. There is only one who can help you love your wife like this, gentlemen. There is only one who can help you love your husbands like this, ladies. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to radically transform your marriage and make it and you in the process better than you could possibly imagine. So what is it that I'm asking you to do? What is it that I'd like for you to do this morning? Well, I want you to remember that the grass is always greener where you water it the most. So water your own grass. Don't water somebody else's grass, please. Water your own grass. A great marriage takes a lot of work. A lot of a hard work. So commit again to each other and then commit 
your relationship to Jesus and love your spouse like never before. Even and especially when they do something that irritates you. Also want you to know that if your marriage isn't great or it's not even good, I want you to remember what God told Paul when he was dealing with what he called a thorn in the flesh. Paul said three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Now we have absolutely no idea what Paul was referring to. All we know is that Paul wanted whatever it was, gone. Three different times he begged God to remove it from him. Each time, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God reminded Paul that his grace was enough. If your marriage isn't what it should be, or even what it once was, please know that God's grace is sufficient for you, too. Just as single people are to lean into the Lord for direction, married folk are as well. So if your marriage is struggling, if it's on the rocks, if it's complicated, can I encourage you to focus on Jesus? A verse that I have often recited, a verse that is good for just about every stage of life, is found in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. And and the prophet wrote this. If you are walking in the darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. I love that verse. It speaks to so many stages of our lives. Trust God to guide your marriage. Trust God with your marriage. After all, God was the one who came up with this in the first place, which leads me to believe that God knows how our marriages are to operate. So take your marriage to Him in prayer and see how He transforms your marriage and you into the image of Jesus Christ. Submit to each other and to Jesus. Forgive early and forgive often. These are two ways for our marriages to be slightly less complicated.